Kyung-ja grew up in North Korea. Like most of her countrymen, she faced a very bleak future. Her family was always hungry, so she escaped to China and worked odd jobs. Kyung-ja saved up money for five years to take back to her husband and children. But when she went back to North Korea, the results of five years of hard work disappeared in a moment. I wasn't able to actually deliver the money to my family because I got arrested. I had the money with me, but they arrested me and they, they took my money. Then, instead of being reunited with her husband, she received tragic news. Because life was so difficult in North Korea, he had already committed suicide So right before I came back. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we're on the road this week in Seoul, South Korea, and we have a very special privilege. We're going to meet a lady that we call in the newsletter Kung Ja, and she is from North Korea and has an amazing story. First heard the gospel, not from a missionary, not from a gospel balloon, but first heard the name of Christ from the lady who was torturing her in a North Korean prison. So we're going to talk about that today with her. Kung Ja, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. Growing up, what were you told about the government, about Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il? What, what were you taught about them? I learned that the Kim family first fought against Japan and was victorious over them. And then after that also, Kim Il-sung fought against the U.S. and and by winning that they were able to form this country called North Korea. I have heard that the children in North Korea sing songs about the Kim family. Were you taught songs about the Kims? Yes, from since I was little, as I was growing up, I learned dances and songs that worshipped Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-il, and then I was under the Kim Jong-un regime for two years before I defected. So even till then, I learned songs of praise to the Kim family. Did everyone in the whole country learn these songs? Yes, yeah, so everyone in the country, it's mandatory for them to learn this. And not only that, um, you have to put portraits of Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il in the homes or else... Um, it's against the ideology, so you would either be detained or be sent to hard labor camp. The recent incident with Otto, the American, it was the same idea where the, his crime was that he took a piece of their Dodong uh, newspaper and to wrap his shoes. So that was his crime against the country. So. Because the newspaper had like a picture of the Kims or information about the Kims? So the newspaper had all the pictures and photos. So even for North Koreans to rip or 
destroy the newspaper is a crime. Wow. When was the first time that she left North Korea? What was the reason for her trip? Uh, I first went to China hoping to earn money for my family because in 1996, 1997, there was the famine and people were dying of starvation. And North Korea, there was nothing but dust. It was dust everywhere and people were dying and dead bodies they would just have to remove and just put anywhere. And so I went to get food for my family. What kind of work was she going to do in China? Like trade or what kind of work to get money to buy food? I was actually sold into China because all North Koreans, when they cross the Tulan River, they, they, they're targeted and they are sold to into China. I had to marry a Chinese, Han Chinese man and the, what the people who sold me, what they would say is like, you need uh, someone to protect you, you need to just pretend you're married and you need to have someone Chinese to help you so that you can make money and send back to North Korea, even if you're already married and have family in North Korea. As people that smuggled you across into China, did you pay them to take you to China? So it's the Han, Han Chinese man who would marry her, would pay the smugglers the money to bring her to China. So they paid, the Chinese man paid them and then they brought you out of North Korea and then gave you to him. Yes, that's what happened. So how did you get across the border? Did they have a boat or did you swim or how did how did you actually physically cross over? Through the water. There was no boat, just walking through, swimming, just crossing the river that way. Did you have a husband in North Korea before this? I had a husband then and three children, one daughter and two sons. If you made money in China, who would take it back to your family in North Korea? Did the same smugglers take the money back in? So I wasn't able to send money through anyone, and it took five years to actually settle and start earning money. I didn't send it through someone, I actually brought it back I wasn't able to actually deliver the money to my family because I got arrested uh, on my way to Chongjin, so I wasn't able to deliver the money. When you got arrested, you still had the money with you? Yeah, I had the money with me, but they arrested me and they, they took my money. When you lived in North Korea before you went to China, did you ever hear anything about God or Christians or even like a warning to watch out for those kind of people when you lived in North Korea? Was there any information that you had about Christian things? I didn't hear anything about about Christianity. There's no church. Uh, I didn't know anything about that. When you crossed back into North Korea and then you got arrested, did they know that you'd been in China for five years? I was one of the, I mean, like the people's group um, leader. And so I left so they knew because of my absence that I was gone for five years. You were a people's group leader in North Korea before you left, like a position of authority in, what, what does that mean to be the group leader? This people's group leader is basically in charge of around 23 families in the village. And so we are in charge of the errands from the government, like collecting money from people, cleaning the public areas and also when there are prizes or goods sent down from the government it's actually uh, 
the leaders that chooses who deserves it. So it, there is some some authority, some power to being this imminbanjang. So the fact that someone in a leadership position would leave and go to China was a great shame to the government. Yes, it's a shame to the government. So when they did finally get her five years later, they were very angry. Yes, they were very angry, and so I had to stay in this. Um, it's not a prison, but I guess like a transitional place of like punishment. Uh, I had to stay there for three months. Did they ask about what you had done in China? Especially, did they ask if you had ever been to a church? So they asked me what was I doing. So in China, so I told them I worked as a cook or like cleaning and doing those things for at a mine. So uh, I told them what I was doing in China, and I also did um, some farming in China as well. So I told them what I did, and they also did ask me about whether I've been to church there, and and I told them I had no idea what a church is. I've never been to anything like that. So my husband actually committed the husband in North Korea, because life was so difficult in North Korea. He had already committed suicide, so right before I came back. So while she was in China, did she have any contact with her family inside to hear news like that? Mm. Were you completely cut off? I actually had no no um, contact with my family during my stay in China. And even after I came back, I was arrested right away to be sent to labor camp. So actually only after uh, I was released after three months and came back did I hear about this news. When you got released from the labor camp and then came back to your home and where your family was, were you heartbroken that your husband was no longer there? When I heard the news, I, I broke down there and other people around me were also grieving with me. And so I was grieving on my way and during my stay at labor camp. So when you finally got home after being in the labor camp, and were reunited with your children, what was that like? Or, or what was their response to having their mother back home? So my children were very happy that I was back, but they were also saddened by the fact that I wasn't able to bring back anything because at that time my daughter was doing a little bit of, like bringing some clothes, trimmed clothes to go and sell, but that wasn't going well. So every meal they were eating this corn porridge and I was sad about that because in China there was plenty to eat and just my son even told me, mom, go back to China to earn some more money. But this time give us uh, like contact information and address where you're going. But When she left China and went back, did she have to run away from her husband there? Did he release her to go back or how did that did she just have to kind of hide and sneak away from him? How did that work? Uh, yes, yeah, so actually the Han Chinese husband, his wife uh, pa had passed away because of cancer and he had two children. So he was hoping me to stay and take care of him and the children. So that's why it took a long time because he wouldn't let me go back. So I had told him I would come back in a month. He actually took me to all the way to the Duman River and I promised him to return. Did you tell your children inside North Korea about China and what it was like and that there was plenty of food that would make them either want you to go back or make them want to go themselves? 
I had um, defected again, and that time my two two children followed me to Tandong area, and they actually worked at like a fish factory in Dalian, this area, and they had actually defected South Korea because there was a there was a ship that was going to South Korea, so they left, and. But then I was actually recaptured back to North Korea. But also, one by one, as my children came, my youngest actually remained in North Korea. And as he was trying to defect, he, he got detained and was sent to hard labor camp. And he actually died there. Well, he was 27 when that happened. And so the Chinese arrested you. You didn't have any documents. And so they gave you back to the North Koreans? No, they arrested me and three other women, so it was a couple of us. Due to the beatings at that time, I actually bled a lot, and um, half of my body was somewhat paralyzed, and so oh, there was a lot of blood, and so they dragged me out to put into a cell, and so people in that cell helped me, clean me up, and once I was getting a little better, they would bring me back again and beat me more, and that continued, that cycle continued for two months. People thought I would die. Even now, there's blood clot in my in my head. So in cold weather, I would have bad headaches and still experiencing all the effects from then. At what point during the beatings did they ask about God? Uh, they just they just kept asking me about God, but like just. Um, trying to protect myself, and I also did not know anything about God. So I just kept telling them I don't know anything about God. So they only asked about God and whether I've been to a church. But I told them I don't know what a church is. After that six months of hard labor, I was sent back to my hometown, but even then I was not released. They actually put me into this um, really cold, almost like a refrigerator, like storage room, it was there when I started to really ask God for help to please let me go, please help me out of this. And uh, I, they wouldn't feed me. I was very filthy. And because I had heard from the previous prison the word God, I was latching onto, onto God at that point. Fearing that someone would hear me, I would really quietly to myself to ask God for help. And after the two months in that freezing cold storage room, I was sent to the local authorities and they actually gave me a sentence of five years at hard labor camp. But people like me, because I was almost dying, I was too weak to do any any sort of labor. And so people like me weren't supposed to be sent to labor camp. But because of what I did, they were saying that she can go, even if she dies, she can die at the labor camp. So they did send me to the labor camp and people would just die overnight like because of how weak they are and so they were telling me to carry the dead bodies out but I was I, I could barely lift myself up so I wasn't able to carry anything or do anything so I was sentenced there five years so when you started to pray to God did you sense any change did you sense that he heard you or that he was listening or anything did, did you feel anything when you started to pray I was supposed to die I because of my the situation and people around me everyone was dying in the at the labor camp and so 
why am I not dying, realizing now that it was God who who preserved me and I continued to seek God and uh, for his help. I was almost dying, but then one day at the labor camp, someone they said someone came to see me, and so I was thinking there's no one to see me because my youngest child had already died and uh, nobody is available to come see me. And it had happened to be that someone through the church in South Korea, they had found someone in North Korea to come see me and multiple times they were able to send funds, send medicine to help me recover. So gradually I recovered my health and I stayed at the labor camp for three years. And so originally you were sentenced to five years, but they let you go after three. Why did they let you go early? Through the my daughter's church in South Korea, they also prayed, prayed for me, and I also prayed very hard at the labor camp. And also they sent funds several times, and eventually I was able to basically pay my way out through the funds sent from South Korea. After the release, I stayed in North Korea for two more years, doing some small business and make, just making a living there. While I was there, I, I would ask enough? God, I would look at the sky and just really ask for help that I, and asking that, you know, I really want to go to where my daughter and son is. So just continue to ask God for help during that two-year period. The person that brought the funds and the medicine when you were in the labor camp did they say it was from just from your daughter, or did they say it was from other people, the church? What did they say about where that money had come from? The daughter and the church sent funds, and it was the person who would come visit me, would purchase the things like medicine and all those other things to bring to me. But that person would only say that my daughter had sent it. But when no one else is looking, he would also give me some news about my daughter, what's happening. And so he told me, oh, your daughter seems to be attending church, things like that, what's happening to message from my daughter saying, uh, telling me to, to survive and to be strong and things like that. And so from then on, I thought like it's something that my daughter believes in and I also want to believe. And so I continue to pray and continue to ask God for help. And so you were released and you began to pray, you continued to pray, Lord, let me go and be with my daughter. So how did you get out of North Korea and, and when? How long after that did you leave North Korea and how did you get out that time? My daughter said, you just stay at this place, someone will come get you. She had paid 20 million Korean won to the broker just for total fee for my escape to brokers and people who would come pick me up. So she had told me ahead of time to go stay at this place, someone will come get you. And someone, some a woman came to pick me up and they had actually forged identification and all sorts of documents for me, travel documents. I took the cargo train and then there was a motorcycle that came to pick me up that took me to the river and at the river too. Um, soldiers who had been bribed held my hand, crossed the river with me over to China at night. And then from there, someone came to pick me up to take me to a pastor's house. And so they prayed for me there. There was a connection between that pastor and my daughter's church in South Korea. And then 
different rides and transportation was arranged for me. So I went from China to Laos and Thailand and then South Korea. So when you crossed over the border and met with the pastor there, was that the first time that you had ever met face-to-face with other Christians? It was the first Christian that ever met the, the pastor in China. Did he start to explain to you more about the faith and more about God? Or where did you learn more about the God that you had been praying to for years now? Actually, the Chinese pastor didn't really explain about God to me because he also had the fear that she would be captured and would say something about him. So he didn't really tell me much, but told me to go to the church when, when I go to South Korea. So it's only after I came to South Korea, I know that it was God who helped me through the whole way. So I, all the way from the NIS, the intelligence service, and Hanawon, the, the adjustment facility there. There's a church there, so I would always attend all the church services and also go to morning prayer every day, even though people around me were saying, like, why do you wake up so early? Oh, you're waking us up. But I, I know that it was God who helped me through, so I attended all services there, and I learned more about God after I came to South Korea. So when you got to South Korea and you were able to reunite with your daughter, tell me about that. What was that like? So they allowed me to meet my daughter at the NIS, the first facility I came to. We embraced and we were all crying together. And she was saying, like, I I thought you were going to die. And because even on my way from China in the cars, I was throwing up. I had severe uh, car sickness and just because of the the bad health I had over the years, the journey itself was very also difficult for me. So she had feared that I, I wouldn't survive. What is your life like now here in South Korea? My life in South Korea is, is very good. And I attend church every week. And also just normally because of my health situation, the government provides health care and um, stipend and things like that for me to take care of myself. So my life here has been pretty comfortable. Do you still have contact with any of your relatives inside North Korea? Mm, Yes, so I do keep in contact with them. There's a lot of them. And when I can, I do send them some money to help them out. When you pray for your family in North Korea, how do you pray for them? I pray for my my relatives, just hoping that someday that God would allow them to be able to come to South Korea. Because I survived only through God's grace. Please pray that people who are in North Korea would also experience that grace from God. When you were in North Korea, what were you told about Americans? What, what did they tell you about Americans? I learned all of these bad things about America, how, how evil they are and things like that when I was in North Korea. Now that I experienced, I've met some Americans, I realized that it's not true. We've been hearing from Kyung Ja, our sister who grew up in North Korea. 
I don't think most of us can even wrap our minds around the level of suffering inside North Korea. Let's commit this week, every time we open our fridge, to be thankful for all we have, of course, but more importantly, let's use that as a reminder to pray for the people of North Korea, people like Kyung Ja, who was willing to risk her life just to try to get food for her family. And let's pray that, like her, many people in North Korea will hear the gospel of Jesus and come to know true freedom, freedom that no regime or dictator can take away. We've had other guests on VOM Radio talk about the situation for Christians in North Korea. You can hear those conversations on our website. That's vomradio.net. Again, that website is vomradio.net. Join us next week to hear about recent attacks against Christians in Nigeria and how VOM is responding to help those Christians. We'll see you next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.